Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. Hold on one oh, second. God. It's a Sorry. It was a perfect opening. It, it, it's the same opening as every episode. I'm just saying it was perfect, Paul. All right. I just wanted to make sure I loaded up this Star Trek Adversaries article before we started talking. <laughs> All right. Now I'm ready. Okay. Alrighty. Okay, let me see if I can find my magic again. <laughs> Since you stole my mojo. That's what I do. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron. And this is Paul. Welcome once again to another very exciting episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And Paul, what? I don't know if you knew this or not, but Star Trek Discovery is apparently rather successful. I think it's a fair assumption to make that I know nothing. <laughs> well, this is true. So I brought facts with me. Oh, um, there is apparently a term that is used particularly in uh, in today's marketing called demand expression, in which it measures how much people are talking about a given thing. And so uh, 53 million people were talking about Star Trek Discovery last week. 53 million people. We were contributing to that. Yeah, right. A, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're at least 52 million of the 53. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. But 50, according to, to this, you know, uh, media marketing thing, 53 million people were talking about Star Trek Discovery last week. Whereas, uh, to give you some, some context, 46 million people talking about Walking Dead and 33 million people talking about Stranger Things. Now, of course, the, the, thing, the, the thing that I would point out is that of those three, Star Trek is the one with a new episode out last week. <laughs> that so, is fair. Like, <laughs> the other two, I mean, Stranger Things was out in October? Right, right. I mean, granted, Stranger Things and, and Walking Dead are all kind of big deals in genre television. But I think the point that I would make is that one of those had a new show out last week. Yeah. Uh, and it was Star Trek Discovery, which, you know, might account for the fact that it was being talked about more than something that's in reruns or, or has been streaming for more than two months. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. And of course, because CBS All Access will only tell you that we had a record-breaking day and signing people up, they won't actually tell you how many people they've signed up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's really the only the only uh, metric that we have at this time, right? But we do know that uh, where Star Trek Discovery is streaming on Netflix in markets outside the United States, it's doing very well. Hmm. So, so uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's... Having been someone who has watched Star Trek in all its many forms, it's nice to see Star Trek doing okay. 
I got to say, it's, it's kind of satisfying because that has not always been the case. No. You, you know, I was a, I, I watched Star Trek The Next Generation when it was in first run, and there was always that question, is it coming back? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, 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 it's nice to see that. As fans of the Exorcist TV shows, I understand that, uh, <laughs> that yeah. feeling. Yeah. Is it coming back? Have we heard? <laughs> we, we haven't heard, Aaron. Yeah. That's, that's, that, this is distressing. Yeah. yeah. So the next item on our outline is uh, called Star Trek Adversaries, which I feel is probably a good name for this podcast because <laughs> you and I are adversaries. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you are my you are my arch nemesis. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's my goal. I frequently, goals. I, I frequently shake my fist in the air and go, Polly! For no reason. For no reason, for uh, apropos to nothing, right? Yep. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I have never been a collectible card game guy. You know, uh, you know, when collectible card games were coming out in the '90s, you know, hard and fast, that wasn't my my thing. Back when uh, uh, we used to have a podcast on our feed called uh, Cardboard Crack, all about Magic: The Gathering collectible card game. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back in the back in the salad days of ideology of madness, <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's never been my thing. But I was fascinated, fascinated, Paul, to see that not only does Star Trek have a new collectible card game coming out, that it is in fact an online collectible card game. You know, really pushing the envelope of what people will pay for in terms of digital media. You know, I, I, I collect this thing and it's not real. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going to read a, a brief bit of this, right? Sure. Ready phasers and raise shields as Puppet Master Games and CBS Interactive had have introduced Star Trek Adversaries, the first free to play online collectible card video game set in the vast Star Trek universe. Featuring more than 50 fully rendered and customizable 3D starships and 140 plus iconic crew members, that's 300 ships and crew from the Prime timeline and 24 collectible flagships around which to build your decks, Adversaries puts players on the front lines of galactic combat. So yeah. it's free, huh? Uh, is it? it? It says free. I feel like it's free to play, free to yeah. download. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, I I feel like it's free to download, but you probably just like any game, you know, it's got those uh those in-game charges. Yeah. Well, you remember Paul back in uh, the early days of digital comics, you know, three years ago, uh, <laughs> when we were struggling with, do I own this paper thing or do I do I do I own the idea of a thing? You know, and it was that it was that bridge from physical collector to just owning a digital archive, owning a digital library, yeah. right? Um, and so I, I'm really curious as to what guys who are used to having their big notebooks full of their cards are going to think of playing an online collectible card game. Well, to be fair, this has been something that's been around a while. Has it? Yeah. I mean, so Magic the Gathering um, has had an online card game for a while, Pokemon obviously has been around you know that started as a, a a paper card game that has gone online um to much success uh, i feel like most online most card games have some type of online component hell baseball cards even have moved online to a certain capacity 
uh, have an all. So I, I think um, there this you know I think there's precursors to this as far as the success of Star Trek adversaries. Um, I'm curious now. I I will say I have never actually played. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I have played Star Wars Destiny um, from Fantasy Flight Games. I, I I played it once. I enjoyed it. It took it had a a wicked learning curve for me because I'm I'm not familiar with games like Magic and all that. Um, so I I'm curious to see how this kind of stuff would work online. Like do do they just enforce the rules for you? So like if I'm using the wrong card. Would it just say no, no, no? You can't use that. Maybe yeah. that'd be helpful for me as someone who who struggles <laughs> a little bit, like to learn all these damn rules in a card game that's only supposed to take thirty minutes, but actually took three hours. Um, maybe online card gaming is kind of helpful. Maybe, maybe. I the graphics that they posted in the article look pretty cool. I'd, I'd be curious to see what it looks like in gameplay. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'm. I'm not interested enough to play it because, like I said, uh, CCGs aren't my, aren't, aren't my my deal. But uh, I, I'm curious to hear what people think of it. So if you played it, uh, you know, give us a shout. I'd be curious to, to to hear what that's all about. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do this a little early. So at IOM Geek or no at IOM Geek on Twitter at Ideology of Madness on no, I keep doing I did that wrong. <laughs> at IOM Geek on Instagram, uh-huh. at Ideology Madness on Twitter, or IOM Geek on Facebook, or Ideology of Madness at gmail.com, or on the Ideology of Madness hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. But you know what that surprise won't be, Aaron? <laughs> it won't be mission crate paul it won't be mission crate <laughs> well why won't it be mission crate well just in time for press today uh, i got an email from my good friends at loot crate talking to me about the star trek mission crate and keep in mind this is the first mission crate it was entitled, entitled the wolf 359 crate with a note to let us know that it's shipping late. Now, we knew that it was shipping late because it never shipped when it was supposed to the first week of December. So they sent us an email. I I did not receive an email about the December crate delay. Um, I know some people did. I never did, but, but I did get this one today. And it says, while doing internal reviews, we decided to make a slight change to improve one of the items in our first Star Trek mission crate for a more show-accurate look. After all, you've been waiting for this crate for a while now, and we want to provide you with the best possible product worthy of the Star Trek name. We're sorry to say, this change will delay the first crate a bit further. You can expect to receive tracking information by the end of February. And we are confident you will find it worth the wait. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience this delay may cause. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to our customer support team. Yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't get over how much fail is, uh, is yeah. in this loop. So crate. I'm a little confused. 
sorry, I, I need your help clarifying something for me. Sure. Yes. Because sure. if you are to receive tracking information by the end of February, but yeah, it means you're going to get it in March. You're going to get it in March. So that's uh-huh. a a four month delay, right? It was supposed to ship in in early December. So if you're talking uh-huh. the full month of December, January, February into March, that's that's about a four month delay. I mean, three plus months. Right. Um, now, Mission Crate. Was that a one-time thing, or was it supposed to be a recurring thing, monthly, no. bi-monthly? It's re- recurrent bi-monthly, I believe. So Every other month. So they're back, to my knowledge, they're just backing up everything else. Oh, so basically it's not like you're going to get two boxes. February's box is now April, and that, April that's now my, June, and so on and so forth. That is not clearly stated anywhere, but that is what I am surmising, is that huh. everything else is backed up because the first crate never came out. That is a so I didn't subscribe to Mission Crate, thankfully. Um, uh-huh. But do you feel like so one? I, I I'm going to describe my feelings about this as someone <laughs> who who as someone who has no idea what's in the Mission Crate, didn't spend the money on it, um, and has no real you know experience to speak of uh, regarding it. I'm going to I'm going to tell you my opinion, which is um, I'd be pissed, and on top of that. Uh, I, I I feel rather frustrated that given the article or the uh, letter you just read, they didn't actually tell me what the item was. Um, so you know, we we you'll it'll definitely be be worth the wait. Um, is a little dis um, disturbing to me or concerning to me, I should say, uh, because it doesn't actually. I, I don't. I still don't know what the item is. Well, I think the item is a Locutus uh, Mini Master. Um, and I think that the reason why they kicked it back is that the figure was not pretty enough. That's now, what I gather. Yes, because... or have they said that there is a Locutus well, Mini Master in there? They've told us that there is a Locutus Mini Master in there. They've because the theme is Wolf Three Five Nine, and they actually have an image on their website of the Locutus figure, um, and it looks pretty hot. You know, I assume that what came, what what that that's probably a mock-up, right? And that the one that actually came is not nearly as cool. The box that is uh, coming in the next one is supposed to be a wharf mini master. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they're they're OK on the production of those. So how do you feel about this delay? I, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think that uh, I, I don't understand Loot Crate does this for a living. This is their business, right? You know, getting getting boxes of loot out to folks. Um, as I said in the episode in which we talked about the the box that they sent back in December, that was a "Whoa, we're really sorry" box uh, that came with no messaging at all. Came in a box that said "Anime," you know, loot anime, and I'm like, "What the hell is that all about?" Um, and it was just random Star Trek stuff from previous loot crates that was in there. Um, it, had they put a note in there, had they communicated with me, I'd have felt a lot better about it. Um, I think they have done a spectacularly bad job in messaging this delay. Um, I track, you know, uh, conversations and in Instagram and on Twitter. And a lot of what their customer service has told people is that we'll be communicating via email really soon. Well, I saw that message over four weeks online. And it wasn't until today, the end of January, after they were supposed to have already shipped, 
that they sent that out telling us it's going to be another month. I think that you owe it to your customers who have essentially subscribed to a service that you have yet to provide and you're more than two months behind on it. I think you owe better communication than that. And so, you know, I think Loot Crate's a good company. Um, I don't always enjoy what it is they're selling, but I think they're a good company. I think their heart's in the right place. I just think that they have really uh, fumbled this ball. You know, to, to throw out a sports ball metaphor. Look at you. They have, I mean, just in time for the Super Bowl. <laughs> they, they have fumbled this one. Uh, I, I'm I'm not willing to unsubscribe because I think it's going to be a cool box. And the thing that I didn't like about Loot Crate was how random the stuff was in it. Because I like Star Trek, I think I'm actually going to like everything that's in the box. So I'm I'm hanging in there. What's in the box? Yeah, exactly. I'm God, if it maybe if it was Data's head. Oh, uh. Data's head from that Time Zero episode where his head got blown off. Yeah, that would be cool. Cool. Send me Data's head. Well, we will keep you guys updated as to uh, the, on- the ongoing <laughs> drama of the Star Trek mission. Crate. The Star Trek mission crate. <laughs> Oof. Well, perhaps your money would have been better spent going to HeroCollector.com and getting the Star Trek Discovery first wave um, of replica ships from the series. So Hero Collector is um, doing an official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. Uh, the first ship is the USS Shenzhou. Shenzhou? Shenzhou. Shenzhou. NCC-1227, a Walker-class Starfleet vessel commanded by Captain Philippa Giorgio. Um and this is the same company that does the the little tiny uh, Star Trek starships, uh, Eagle Moss. Correct. That's doing these. And so these are uh, more or less film accurate. They are just gorgeous. In fact, the the painting on the Shinzu on this image looks amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, the, if you're not familiar with them, they also do DC Comics, Batman automobiles. They do Doctor Who uh, figurines. They do James Bond cars. They do Marvel chess. Um, they do Star Trek, other official Star Trek starships. Um, they do Walking Dead collector models. They do a whole thing. You can go to HeroCollector.com. Um, no, we're not getting anything for free from them. Um, they're not sponsoring us. Uh, but if they're <laughs> listening... Um, you know what I what I think is nice about these ships is I don't know about you, Paul, but I felt like particularly a lot of the the, the spaceship scenes in the first half of the season were a little hard to discern what those ships actually looked like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like the there was a sharp change in direction after the, the winter break and the direction in the first half of the season. I had a hard time figuring out what things were. And uh, it's nice to be able to take a look at these these models and go, oh, that's what I was looking at. Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. I mean, these things are very <laughs> cool. We saw them at Star Trek Mission New York. Um, so the second ship is. Prob- I, I actually have one on my desk right here, Paul. Oh, look at that. I have one. Right, well, actually, I've got, I've got two. I've got the Defiant uh, from Deep Space Nine that I picked up when we were there at Mission New York. But over the holidays, Eagle Moss had a sale. And they do that from time to time, so be on the lookout. And they they are making extra large ships now. And so I have the uh, original Constitution class cruiser, the USS Enterprise NCC seventeen oh one from the original series, and it is about uh, ten eleven inches long, and it is gorgeous sitting wow. here on my desk. You know, I highly recommend them. Yeah. You got to get yourself some of these, Paul. I you know I'm going to get right on that. Okay. 
You know, the second ship in this line is the Discovery, the NCC-1031. Um, on HeroCollector.com, they've got the whole line of ships that's available. Uh, you can find these at your comic shops, but it's actually more expensive to buy them individually. You don't get the introductory price. Um, and so, you know, they also include magazines. They uh, include exclusive collector's magazines that feature a profile of the ship, uh, essential information, that kind of thing, photos, production artwork, interviews. Um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool deal. Um, you know, I, I have not ever subscribed to one of them. I've been curious about the Batman one, but uh, I don't love every Batmobile. So, you know, if they sent me that Batman and Robin Batmobile in the mail, I just immediately cancel my <laughs> subscription. Um, you don't want the Batman 66 Batmobile? I mean, I'd be okay with that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, 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 but really... I don't need anything other than the 1991, 1992 Batman Returns Batmobile. That's really the only one I need. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, Eagle Moss does some does some beautiful stuff. Uh, you know, one of the guys we follow on Instagram and was rated as one of our favorite Instagram feeds for Star Trek, uh, he actually uh, collects these and then he'll correct them where they didn't get the model right. Like, for instance, on the Ambassador class, which is one of my favorite starships, uh, they were going from a photograph, uh, you know, from from the series, but they were missing parts of it that the photograph didn't show, but the TV show showed, right? And so he was going through to make it actually screen accurate because some, wow. uh, some of the painting was wrong. And he actually will do decals to enhance the uh, the ships. He does beautiful work. He's uh, his name is Bob Matt. You can find a link to him on our Instagram page. He's one of our favorite Instagram feeds from our thirty day Star Trek challenge. Wow, look at that! Kind of cool. See, it all comes together, Paul. Yeah. It all hey, comes together. And hey, thanks Neil Dalton for the uh, heads up on that um, hero collector thing. That's pretty cool. Now, because he shouted out and we used his shout out on the show, I think I owe him an ideology of madness surprise, don't I? Is it a picture of your junk? Most likely. <laughs> with, it's with the USS. <laughs> I, I, don't e- I don't even know how to finish that joke. There are so Spock, many ways Spock, I can take it. Spock ears on my junk. That's all it's going to be. Spock ears on his... <laughs> <laughs> So enjoy just... that, Neil Dalton. <laughs> Coming right at you. <laughs> God in 3D. He's, he's going to take a profile picture with his iPhone X. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Very nice. So, you know, you may be sitting there wondering, I listened to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly because I want to know what's going on in the world of Star Trek Discovery. And you know what? I think we've kept you waiting long enough. Let's talk about this week's new episode of Star Trek Discovery, what's past his prologue, featuring um, a ton of shit. You know, we talked last week about how much occurred in last week's episode. And, uh, you know, it, it was a high point for the season, at least for me. And then this week's episode came out, and it seems like Discovery, at least in in my humble opinion, is just getting better and better. They just keep turning it to eleven. That's all they keep doing. It's uh, I, I I am I am stunned at how good this past week's episode was because you know you know once you once you hit the mountaintop, you know where else do you have to go? Well, there was another mountaintop beyond it, and yeah. uh, it, it was crazy everything that happened in this episode. I, it's so this ultimately is the conclusion of the mirror universe Lorca storyline that has been going on since the start of discovery. Um, so 
again, anyone who's listened to the show knows we're going to talk in full spoilers. Spoiler warnings on. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, you know, so Lorca, it was revealed last episode uh, that Lorca was Mirror Universe Lorca the entire time. We still don't know where Prime Universe Lorca is. I have ideas. He has ideas. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, but this is the conclusion of the battle with the Emperor Giorgio, Philippa Giorgio in the Mirror Universe. Um, and so, Aaron, continue. So, you know, we, we learned that uh, that Prime Universe Lorca, you know, most likely traded places with Mirror Universe Lorca on his ship that was, uh, you know, fleeing into the Ion Storm and then supposedly destroyed. Uh, I, 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 I said I had ideas. I just I don't believe him to be dead since we haven't seen the body. Uh, I did see an interview this week with Jason Isaacs in which he was very coy about whether or not he would be returning uh, in season two. Um, so I, I am uh, I am not convinced that we have seen the last of Jason Isaacs, though it certainly seems like we've seen the last of Mirror Universe Lorca. And that makes me sad, Paul. It does. You know, I mean, this is the character that we have seen since the first episode, the character that you and I have grown to appreciate. We we have a great big fight scene in the Imperial Palace uh, on the ship. What is the name of that ship? Is it the chair? I, I, this is one of the things I got confused. The Sharon. Is it the Charon? Yeah. Because I, it felt it felt like when we were going to the Imperial Palace that that was something different than the Charon. It just I, 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 it I just think seemed that's the Charon. I think that was okay. the ship that they've been that the Discovery was circling and and shot at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I just there was a moment there where I'm like, is there a, is there a, a third ship in this or is it just the two? But anyway, uh, the, the big fight's going on, and uh, you know. What we what what develops in this episode is a strange kinship between Giorgio, Mirror Giorgio, and Michael Burnham, and you know Michael Burnham is willing to help Mirror Giorgio because she's getting screwed over by the same person who's been screwing over everybody this entire season, Captain Lorca, and so meanwhile Lorca has freed all of his compatriots, and this seems silly to me. To keep that many uh, of your enemies alive in agony booths, I understand you're wanting to set some examples, but it just seems silly <laughs> to have this many living enemies right there in the heart of your of your power, yeah, right? In the mirror universe, I'm surprised they didn't just like kill them all. Well, I think you keep one or two around so that you can, you know, demonstrate how ruthless you are. This is what I will do. So, for instance, Paul. I'll execute you immediately. Your head immediately comes off. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to keep Wayne around to torture. Wayne uh, stays right there in the torture pod. Are we really? <laughs> you, are we, then you have to listen to, to Wayne talk. <laughs> well, we just we just crank it up every time he talks about that Superman novel. Yeah. <laughs> or Legos. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Lorca has freed all of, all of his evil buddies, and we get a return of uh, Lieutenant Landry. We get to see the Mirror Landry, uh, you know, who did not get murdered by a tardigrade, uh, you know, as happened in, to, to Prime Landry. So Mirror Landry's there, and uh, we're running around, shooting up the ship, and before you know it, they've taken over 17 decks. And so uh, Burnham has reached out to Saru back on, on our Discovery and let her know, hey, Lorca's, Lorca's a big bad guy. 
Lorg is a big, big bad guy. You guys got to watch out. You got to get over here. You got to You got to shoot up this thing. Uh, they decide that the way to do it is that big flaming energy ball in, in the center of the ship. Burnham needs to drop the uh, uh, stasis field or whatever it is around it, the energy field around it, so that Discovery can then, you know, blow it up. Hoping then, so anyway, that that will destroy the bad guys. Meanwhile, you know, Discovery has no way of getting home, except they're thinking, well, you know, uh, there's not enough spores, but if we blow up the bad guy's ship right, we can ride that wave like a mycelial wave and use that to uh, get back into mycelial space and maybe then get back home. Meanwhile... On Discovery, the crew is super down. I mean, you know, they are they're all down in the dumps because, you know, this captain who's brought them through everything turns out to be the big bad guy. And they're stuck with this guy, Saru, who just a couple of days ago betrayed them to a planet, Um, you know, has 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 not been apparently competent in the entire, uh, you know, course of the series. And all of a sudden, you know. Saru performs up. He gives this rousing, motivating speech, says, hey, you know, my whole my whole uh, my whole breed, my whole my whole people were bred to sense uh, death. And I can tell you, I don't sense it here today. This is Narcobiashi Maru. I don't accept the concept of a no win scenario. We're going to go kick these Imperials, these Terrans right in the arse. F them. Yeah. And so it was a nice scene for Saru. It was a nice scene for Saru. Yeah. So, so you know, back on the ship, Lorca and Giorgio and Burnham and – is Burnham fighting Landry? I think Burnham's fighting Landry. Uh, they're all fighting. You know, everybody was kung fu fighting, Paul. Everybody. They're all kung fu fighting. And this and, is after – I mean, we're getting to the end of the episode. But this is after some great action sequences throughout the episode. Um, I mean, truly well-filmed, well-choreographed. Uh, shootouts on the Charon uh, between Giorgio's forces and um, Lorca's forces and just really good stuff. I thought this was a, a an action-packed episode. But go ahead, Aaron. It, it really was. I mean, uh, the, the uh, phaser fight scenes were beyond anything we've seen on televised Star Trek ever, right? Uh, you know, they, they're clearly spending the money on special effects. Uh, very well done. As we're as we're up in the the Imperial Palace, the fight's going on. I mean, I'm not lying when I say people were kung fu fighting because uh, Michelle Yeoh is like head kicking uh, Lorca in, in those yeah, scenes. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she is she is all up in his stuff. And at the end of the day, he's uh, he's about to, to to put the kill on her, and Michael Burnham gets the drop on him with a phaser. But she won't kill him. And he's talking to her and he, he's, he's like, you know, you, you, I'm your father. I mean, essentially, he's, he's given her the dark side speech, right? Yeah, and it's important to note that Mirror Universe Lorca apparently had a, an intimate relationship with Mirror Universe Burnham. Well, he was a little Woody Allen with her, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, they, 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 there was something going on there. <laughs> Yeah, think of her as Soon Yi. He was Woody Allen, and uh, you know, poor uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh. She's uh, she's uh, uh, Pharaoh, Mia Pharaoh. <laughs> See, we can bring it all in, Paul. We can bring it all in. It's all inappropriate. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we are relevant. <laughs> 
So as his back is turned, Giorgio stabs him in the back with the sword right up through the guts and kicks him out the uh, the moon door at the bottom of the at the deck of the ship that leads over to the big energy ball. And we literally see him, you know, torn to pieces in the eruption of that uh, of that flame. So goodbye, Captain Lorca. We hardly knew ye. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bum, I, I'm going to miss him. I really have enjoyed Jason Isaacs in yeah. the show. And he, I, I will say, I always felt like he was going to be temporary. I mean, Jason Isaacs is too busy um, of an sure. actor to be yeah. a regular on a Star Trek show. But I figured, you know what? These are, it's like Netflix. It's like HBO. It's like these things. Like The Rock is one of the busiest guys in Hollywood, but he's filmed four seasons of Ballers. So I'm like, well, maybe Jason Isaacs can film more at Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. And it sounds like he may. You never know. But uh, Mirror Universe Lorca, the character that I have grown to to appreciate, if you listen to our our podcast, you'll, you'll see not only our appreciation of the show grow, but our appreciation of Lorca grow. Uh, it's a shame that now that character, that specific character, has been disintegrated. I, I, you know, I have a hard time believing I'm going to like Prime Universe Lorca anywhere near as much as Mirror Universe Lorca. I know? already don't but, like him. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you'd think that the show's over then, but it's not, Paul. Nope. Because Michael Burnham's getting the big rescue. You know, she has you know brought the shields down on the energy core and uh, the, the, the doors to the palace are about to get burst open. And Giorgio, Mira Giorgio says, look, I'll hold these guys off as long as you can. It's over for me. I've shown my neck was the phrase she used. Uh, I can't rule as emperor any longer, but I'll take a lot of these sons of bitches with me. And right as she's about to go running into the fray, the, the transporter effect begins capturing uh, Burnham, and she reaches over and pulls uh, Giorgio in with her. And the two of them appear on the Discovery uh, transporter pad as Discovery is leaping into the mycelial network, and uh, Stamets is trying to find their way home. And he's trying to pick his way and the, the 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 message that he's been receiving, that he was communicating when he was in his mycelial coma, was the clearing in the forest, right? And so that does that that means something to him as he's navigating, and he finds the clearing in the mycelial network and brings them safely home. The end. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's when I turned it off, Paul. I was oh, clicked, oh done. okay. Well, you done. missed. Uh, show's over. I mean, well, they, they, they're home. They're, they won. They're done. Done. I mean, no more Star Trek Discovery ever. Except... Next week, I think, is Tribbles. I think they get Tribbles next week. <laughs> there is no next next week. <laughs> uh, or, you know, what 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 actually happens in the, in the couple of minutes that you've missed is that they have discovered that they have jumped nine months into the future. And in that nine months, um, well, the Klingons have defeated the Federation and taken over the galaxy. How could that possibly be, Paul? Because we know that when Discovery bounced their way over to the Mirror Universe, that all that shit was settled. There was no, no, no they'd already figured out the 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 Klingon clo uh, cloaking technology. This, I mean, it was just a matter of course that well, Starfleet was going to win. Except this. that they went away, right? And so they weren't able to deliver any of that shit. No, they did. They transmitted all of that before they left. Oh well, then I don't know. It was just a matter of getting home. But Paul. I have an idea. Uh, you always have ideas. So I, we know that Mirror Discovery came over to the Prime Universe while 
prime discovery was over in the mirror universe. And so I suspect that, you know, uh, the mirror discovery got into some problems and perhaps their ship got captured by the Klingons and the Klingons were able to use that technology maybe to, uh, overthrow the quadrant. Um, I don't think I, it wouldn't make sense to me that Killy, because that who would have been that would have been who is commanding that ship. Yeah, it would not make sense to me that she would partner up with the Klingons. Right. That doesn't make any sense, yeah. given how much the Terrans hate other races, um, despite the fact again, the Klingons, I can't see teaming up with, you know, a, a human uh, that didn't make sense to me either. I, I what I think makes a lot more sense is that they had captured Discovery and used that technology against the Federation. That's my thought, Paul. Well, I guess we'll find out next week, but I feel like we are setting up for time travel. Yeah, and, you know, the question is, you know, I mean, I, I think my immediate thought was, okay, well, now, now the thing is, how do you resolve this? How do you reset time correctly? Because we know that that's not how things played out in our universe, right, Paul? You know, in the in the regular yeah. prime universe, or have we created a third Star Trek timeline? Hmm. Is there a a prime universe, a Kelvin universe, and then whatever this universe is? Uh, it's possible. Is it the Killy timeline? I mean, I, I wonder about that. I have a hard time thinking that that's what they do because I don't think there's a lot of story possibilities in a Star Trek universe where the Klingons run everything. Uh, and I don't know that I've got the stomach to watch a whole bunch of, uh, guys talking with the marbles in their mouths. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I don't know that I can do that, but you know, I, we got two whole episodes and, and these guys are able to pack more show into a single episode than anybody else. We might as well have four or five more episodes left, Paul, I will because say, uh, I think there's a lot of story coming our way. Yeah. And I will say that I feel like this episode would have been a great place to end the season. Mm -hmm. I almost don't want more in this season because I feel like at this point, I would rather they don't wrap up this story in the season. You know, I, I'd rather give this whatever if like I don't want to see in the next two episodes them introduce time travel and solve this problem. I would, you know, this seems like a big enough problem that it should take more than two episodes to resolve. Um, like, well, I feel like this would have been a good ending point for the season. Well, and you never know. It might not be that it's resolved in two episodes, but it just sets up more of what the stakes are. That's but, true. But, you know, I, I have to say I'm a little concerned because the Klingon stuff was my least favorite stuff in this season. Yeah. I mean, and so, obviously we it, have to go back. We have to some at some point go back to Tyler and yeah. uh, and all that. Well, and what do you do with Georgiou now? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got Mira Georgiou on the ship and hey. You know, isn't it going to be awkward when Saru comes to talk to her and, and you know, your captain is your dinner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a little weird. And I'm not I don't know that I'm prepared for Saru to be the ongoing captain. Yeah, I, I, I will say the the turnaround in Saru is noticeable, right. significantly Big noticeable. Time. Like he, we, we, we said he about four episodes ago, we said he was one of the useless, most useless characters on that starship. Yeah. And now, like, immediately, like, from one episode to the next, since Jonathan, no, not even the Jonathan Frakes episode, I think it was the one after. Saru yeah. has been uh, an engaging, strong character. Um, and it happened overnight. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, and I do like the change in him, but, uh, you know, 
I wonder how permanent that change is going to be. And again, I just don't know that that warrants him being captain. But I do wonder, you know, given how uber competent uh, Michael Burnham has been and, you know, kind of a, a changing lineup on the ship. And we've really not seen any other senior officers. I mean, keep in mind, we've not yet seen the real chief engineer because Stamets is not the chief engineer. He is the chief mycelial uh, mycologist. Just right. You know, he, yeah. he that's his job. His job isn't to run the engines. His job is to run the whole, you know, mycology project. Um, we've not seen the the chief medical officer. Culber wasn't the chief medical officer. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people on this ship that we don't know who they are yet. And that that is one of my complaints about Discovery is that it feels like it's a crew of about 10 people. I, I feel a couple of things in regards to this up to the ongoing um, status quo of the series. I, I'm, I'm concerned that the only way to justify Burnham becoming a captain or even an official Starfleet officer, because uh, it, because one, you know, Lorca was the one who made her uh, a member of his, his crew, but two, Lorca was also evil and dead now. Um, so is Starfleet really going to honor that? Um, regardless of her good deeds, I feel like, we're just gonna have to see Discovery go rogue and do its own adventures, not necessarily tied to the to the rules of Starfleet. I, I feel like that's the only viable explanation, unless they do a really good job of explaining how Starfleet is okay with Michael Burnham, the big trader Michael Burnham, um, <laughs> you know, being a high-ranking officer on a Starfleet vessel. Right. Well, we did see in the upcoming preview that Admiral Cornwell is still alive, right? So yeah. it will be interesting to see what she has to say. Uh, particularly when we talk about, you know, what a big bad guy uh, Captain Lorca was. All of this is a long way to say that, boy, we sure as hell are enjoying this show. Yeah, this episode was fantastic. I mean, genuinely fantastic. Um, really, really loved it. Uh, some of the best uh, TV I've seen in a while. I mean, just great action, uh, great special effects, intense, really, really loved it. Uh, and like, is, Game of I mean, you rewind this show that you're listening to back three months. I would not have foreseen. <laughs> I would not yeah. have foreseen this episode. I, being I really thought I really thought that I was going to be interviewing other hosts because Paul wouldn't come back for uh, a second season. And, and now I think he is. Um, well, you know, there's still so, two more episodes to screw it all up. Oh, no, Paul. It's going to be great. Well, so, so, go ahead, Paul. I was going to say only if. You don't make me read any more Star Trek Discovery <laughs> comic books because, damn it, Aaron, Star Trek Discovery <laughs> issue two, The Light of Kales. Um, I believe that's The Light of Kales. Star Trek Discovery, The Light of Kales. Um is a yeah. terrible comic book. It really is. It really is. I mean, objectively bad. Uh, and, and this is, and I, I feel bad saying this because whoever wrote and drew this comic book, I, I I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that they are talent are, are not talented. I'm not saying they're not giving it their all. Uh, I am saying that this storyline has zero interest for me. Yeah, I, 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 it felt like, I mean, you look at the pages and everything is beautifully drawn, well produced. It's just not very interesting. You know, it's telling the, the backstory of Takuvma and his time on Boreth and, and the monastery and how he was kind of a super monk. And it, it, we spent 20 some pages telling that part of the story. And, 
And really, I think it needed two. You know, yeah. I, I honestly, I think that issues one and two could have been one comic. I, it's I, I don't think it should have been any comics. Uh, you know, Takuma died <laughs> in the first, or in, I should say, in the second episode of Star Trek Discovery. Takuma has been dead since when did the show premiere? October, November? Some October, I think. October. Takuma has been dead for three months. In in our in in real lifetime, I genuinely have zero interest in reading anything about Takuma. Yeah. Had this had this been released the first month that the show was on, I'd feel a little different. But now, months later, now that we're in Mirror Universe and and all this crazy stuff is going on, I I like I Takuma was not, wasn't even a main character. He was the villain in the first episode. Give me the backstory of Vok. Give me the backstory of a character who's still alive and still relevant. Well, aren't you getting Vok's backstory by getting Takuvma's backstory because Takuvma was such an influence on Vok? Ish, ish, ish. I would say that's a stretch. <laughs> I feel like you need to let open yourself up to the light of Kalesh, Paul. Kalesh. Kalesh. <laughs> well, no, it, it it is not a good comic. And that's disappointing because I feel like Tony Shastine's just drawing his guts out in this book. And I think that uh, I, I think when you have got one of the top producers involved with Star Trek Discovery uh, writing story elements for the comic, it really should have been a lot better, particularly when what we're seeing on the screen right now is just amazing. But it does feel like it came out of those first early episodes of Discovery that were pretty lost, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I honestly, I think they would have done a much better job telling the secret history of Michael Burnham. You know, give us some more backstory of Burnham like we get gotten the uh, Star Trek novel that yeah. came out uh, before Christmas. Um, like I said, that, any of the characters who are still relevant, that's yeah. that's what, you know, in, in the show. And yeah. I know you under you, you say that Takuvma had, a, a, you know, an influence on Vak, and I get that. But this story uh, is not one that needed to be told, I feel, unless Takuvma comes back at some point. Takuvma's uh, philosophy is foundational to Vok, Paul. Vok you. <laughs> well, again, we want to hear what you guys think. Uh, give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number again, 972-763-5903. Uh, hit us on Instagram, at IOMGeek, where we continue our 30-day 30 st uh, Star Trek challenge. Remember, it's not consecutive days. Uh, you can hit, find us over on Twitter at at ideology madness or iomg you can find us either way there paul how are they going to find us everywhere else how how paul how on are they going to have to use some sort of mycelial technology i mean at this point probably given all our different names um iom geek on facebook iom geek on youtube uh is the channel name however if you want to go directly there it's youtube.com slash ideology of madness you can find aaron at aaron head on twitter myself at iom paul on twitter you can find us all over this damn place you don't need a mycelial network you just need to spit and you're gonna hit one of us um but in the meantime I would like you guys, uh, our listeners uh, and loyal listeners, please take the link to this episode, whether it's on iTunes, um, Podbean, wherever the hell you're listening to this from, and, and share it with your Star Trek loving friends, Star Trek message boards if you're on them, any Star Trek Facebook groups or wherever. It would really be beneficial to us to have more listeners, more feedback, uh, more traffic, specifically for this podcast so that we can continue doing this for you guys. 
Very exciting. Well, Paul, I guess we'll see you next week to talk about an all new episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's super exciting. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm, I want to know what's going to happen. They're going to go it's, back and see the whales, Aaron. They're, they have to save the whales. <laughs> the whales are key to this. Well, it does seem like all they've got to do is fly that ship around the sun, you know, slingshot around it, and they can get back to San Francisco a la 1989. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for Saru to say a cuss word. That's right. That's right. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 